And, you know, I got to tell you, we're going to go ahead and forego the 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 outline today, because I just sitting here watching as I was kind of sitting here, it felt like there's just a different direction I want to go this morning. So if you would turn with me to first Corinthians chapter 12. So often it feels as if um, we, our, our, our society and our world is becoming more and more fractured and more and more individualistic. When you think about who becomes famous, and famous, it's individuals now. It used to be that when you rooted for a team, you rooted for an entire team, and now with the advent of things like fantasy football, you root for individuals on a team. And so even though Peyton Manning doesn't have his best Super Bowl, he's the one we're celebrating. And I understand that we're celebrating an entire career, if you will. But we still focus on individuals. It's Peyton Manning versus Cam Newton as opposed to their teams playing one another. And so often in our society, we focus on individuals and and, and wonder, you know, how can I get close to that person so I can maybe get a little bit more of that uh, interaction and whatnot, because that person is important. And what I saw happening in here this morning was that there was no individuals. Everybody had their own talents. Everybody had their own abilities, their own instruments that they were given. But it was one unified band that was up here blessing us with their music. And this is something that Paul spoke quite often to because he was speaking a lot of times throughout Corinthians and a lot of his letters, he was speaking to churches that were made up of individuals. Churches that were made up of lots and lots of different people with lots and lots of different talents as well as insecurities. And at the end of the day, he recognized that the church were the physical representations of God to those who would never step foot in the church. He said, you are God's representatives. And the way that you love one another, this is what Jesus said, right? The world will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another, by the way you interact with one another. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and again, we're going completely off script here. So if you have your outlines, you can use them to doodle or whatever. But in in chapter 12, he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit. The spirit that each and every single one of us are given when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ. In fact, in in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about the fact that when we are given the Holy Spirit, we become part of the body of Christ. We often go, well, wait a minute, wasn't I, aren't I naturally a son or daughter of God? Actually, no. Jesus is God's only begotten natural son. We are adopted into the family of God. Yes, we were created in his image, but we were adopted into the family of God when he gives us the Holy Spirit as a down payment saying, this one is mine. And the Holy Spirit is both a mark of ownership, God saying, you're, you are my child, but it is also a source of empowerment. And in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul begins to say, now, here's what the Holy Spirit does in and through us. We are each given the Holy Spirit, but that Holy Spirit manifests himself differently in each of us. And he uses an analogy of the body. So I'm going to begin in verse 7. 
verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in, in... I'm sorry, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. We have one God, we have one Holy Spirit, but as the Holy Spirit begins to work in us, he begins to take from us the giftings we have, the natural propensities we have, the things that we're good at. I mean, I was watching people up here who probably have a propensity towards several different instruments, but God said, you know, but Adam in this case goes here, you use this instrument for this particular song. And I want you to focus on that. Or as they're up here, each playing their keys, they have one, two, at the most three keys that they're able to play. And by themselves, yeah, they sound really good and it doesn't matter how hard they go. They cannot construct a complete symphony of sound without one another. And that's the point that Paul is getting at here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 12, now, just as there is a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether we're Jews or Greeks, slave or free, male or female, black or white, young or old. One of the things I love about our church this particular iteration of the body of Christ, because let's not forget that there are lots of other iterations all over Costa Mesa, all over California, and all over the world. And although there are many different bodies, ultimately there's only one church. We're all brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, all adopted into his body. And we're all working together. We are not in competition with Rock Harbor or The Crossing or St. Andrew's. We're not about trying to steal as many sheep so that we can become as large as possible. That's not the point. We're all part of the same family, and at the end of the day, we all represent Jesus Christ. It is for his namesake, not our own. And God says, now I have a purpose and a plan for you, because let's, a natural tendency of our mindset is to think, you know what? God uses those people he calls into ministry. God uses somebody like Egypt. And Egypt, we're really happy that you're here with us this morning. We're excited. Can you stand up just everybody? Egypt's here. Make sure you say hi. God can use somebody like Egypt, even if he takes him to Texas of all places. God can use him because he's called him into ministry. God can use somebody like Lee. He's a pastor. God can use somebody like Eric or somebody like Chris or somebody like Michelle because he's called them into the ministry. And our mindset is they've got the spiritual gift of ministering to people. They are a pastor, therefore they have purpose. But me, I don't have purpose. What can I do? But here's the reality. That we are all part of the body of Christ and just as we have a role and a responsibility to play in the body of Christ to build it up. You have a role and responsibility in the body of Christ. We get to be his representatives. And how does God reach people in a school? He dresses some of his kids up like teachers and he sends them into that school to minister there. How does God reach people at Newport Harbor High School, Seagerstrom High School, Ensign Middle School, and even down in South County? He dresses some of his children up as school kids and sends them to school to love on their, their classmates, 
and to be light in the darkness and to be a source of encouragement and love. How does God reach people in the legal field? He dresses some of his kids up as attorneys. I kid you not, there are some attorneys that represent Jesus. My dad was one of them. I thought I was going to follow in his footsteps. And then God goes, no, I haven't designed you for that. How does God reach? You know, one of the thoughts is, if I want to follow God and be used by him, I have to go into ministry. Every time you wake up, you are in ministry. Every time you step outside of your home, even before you step outside of your home, when you interact with your family. The ministry field isn't here in this building. This is where we come as a family of God to celebrate and to to be excited and to kind of talk about how can we be more prepared to go out and be God's hands and feet. Because let's not forget, our mission field begins the moment we step outside these doors. We live in the midst of our mission field. When we go to work, when we go to the gym, when we go to school. When we walk up and down the neighborhoods that God has planted us in, we are being his ambassadors. And so God gives each and every one of us gifts and abilities. Now, you know this, but this is the picture that I saw today. And so this is just where we're going to go. Verse 12. Although we are different, we're called to use the unique gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given us to do what he is calling us to do. Just as there is one body... Or just as a body, though one has many parts, all of its parts form one body. Just as there is a band with many, many members. I was never in a band, so I never got this experience. Of being one person, I have the same sheet music, but I only play every once in a while. And the parts that I play, and I know I'm massacring this, so forgive me. Because I have no clue what I'm talking about, but I'm making it up as I go. I may go, you know what, because I'm not a woodwind instrument, I'm just a violin, I don't matter. But I do. Because the woodwinds sound beautiful, and the clarinets, and the drum, I would be a drum, right? I just want to beat that thing, see if I could, whatever, just hit it as hard as I can. (laughs) I got one speed, or two speeds, off and on. And I'm on as much as I can be, right? But a drum by itself is not a symphony, A violin by itself is not a symphony. Even a piano by itself, you might be able to get the the, the structure of a song. But how much richer when you have everybody bringing their different gifts, talents, and abilities to bear on the same song. Working off of the same sheet music, which I would suggest in this analogy, is the Holy Spirit working in and through us. How beautiful when we recognize that we are not individuals in a world that is becoming increasingly individualistic, when we're not worried about how do I sound, but we rather we begin to ask ourselves, how do we sound? So there are many parts of the body, but it ultimately makes one body, and Christ is the head of it. For we are all baptized by one spirit, this is verse 13, so as to form one body. And so even though the body is made up of many parts, there's only one. Now, and this is where he goes into now, if the foot were to say, well, I'm not a hand, I don't really matter as much. No, you're still a part of the body and you are important. Just because an ear is not an eye doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Just because a drum is not a violin, is not a piano, is not a keyboard. I guess a piano is a keyboard, but you know what I'm saying, right? (laughs) 
together. Make some beautiful music. Let's go ahead and flip over to verse 25. There should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part is honored. Yes, there was that one moment when I believe that's the clarinet. Am I right? No, whatever. This one, the flute. Okay, that's a flute. Sweet. All right. And at that moment, she had her flute solo. And so we had her stand up and we, but it's, Every single person here is being cheered for. It doesn't matter if your whole part is the try or, you know, I would do the cowbell. Give me that thing. If the whole time I'm just waiting for my one opportunity to go boom and I get to hit my bell or my drum or whatever. I still get when everybody stands up and cheers. It's like that's for me, too. Sweet, because I'm part of this body. And as one part is honored, we're all honored. I know I'm running with this thing. Just go with me. Okay. Holy Spirit, help. Here's, there's one part in this that I do want to kind of jump off script just a little bit. Other than the fact that we're completely off script all the way. I want to jump off script of this off script jumping. I was at a wedding yesterday. It was one of the most fascinating experiences of my life. It was an Italian girl marrying a Kenyan man. It was such a, a strange conglomeration. And when they were all walking in, if you want to see the video, come and ask me. All of the, the, the married women were like chanting behind her. And there was this massive group of people just dancing and singing and stuff. And, and Kathy looks at me and goes, I want to be Kenyan. Seriously. I want this type of family culture. I'll have to, at some point, I'm going to show you guys this video because it was such a powerful picture of what it looks like to recognize that you are not alone. That we don't do life as individuals. Even our families are not this kernel of a core family. We are part of a much larger family. I have so much family in here. My brothers and my sisters. My sons have so many people that they're going to grow up with calling brothers and sisters aunt and uncle that aren't blood related. What a gift. That is precisely what my wife and I ached for. It's what I grew up with in the church that I grew up in. And I am so grateful that my boys get to be in a community like that, where we're small enough to know one another, where we're small enough that we recognize when somebody's been missing, when Sandy Waite, who's been gone for about a month and a half because she was down in Mexico and she didn't invite us with her, so I'm kind of upset, was in here this morning and Darlene comes up and goes, where have you been? It's like we notice. We can't just slip in and out because we're part of this family. Because the enemy would like to say, you don't belong, You don't matter. You aren't noticed. And in fact, you don't have talent. You don't have a voice. You should just be quiet and stay out of the way. One of the things that the pastor, I brought up the wedding yesterday. One of the things that the pastor said that really resonated not only with myself, but with Kathy, and we were processing it last night and then again this morning. He said, we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves." But what happens when we don't love ourselves? What happens when we buy into the belief that the enemy planted in our hearts that we see tracing all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 or Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve took that first bite of the forbidden fruit and shame entered into their hearts. And for the first time, they'd been naked since the beginning. 
But for the first time, they recognized their nakedness as something that was unacceptable because they believed themselves to be unacceptable. And so what did they do? They went into hiding. They began to judge themselves. And they determined themselves to be unacceptable. So they hid from one another. They hid from God. And they tried to cover over their imperfection and pretend to be somebody other than they were. They put on their Facebook facade, if you will, and presented only those things that were acceptable, and they hid all of the parts of themselves that they were ashamed of, which were myriad. And in the same way, how often do we sit in judgment upon ourselves? Say, I'm a failure. I'm pathetic. I don't have those talents. I can't get up here and and keep a beat. I'm a white boy. What I lack in rhythm, I make up for in intensity. You're agreeing with me. Thanks. It's hurtful. But it's true, and that's why it hurts. I know I love you too. The enemy would love to say, what his point was is, listen, some of us are loving our neighbors as ourselves, and yet we're judging our neighbors because we're judging ourselves. If we hope to love our neighbors, it begins with having a healthy understanding of who we are, a recognition that God has called us out of the stands and onto the field. It's not just a few people who have been called into ministry and say, you go and you represent me. All of us who have been called by Jesus Christ, all of us who have had the Holy Spirit planted within our hearts are ambassadors of hope. We can't do it by ourselves, nor are we called to do it by ourselves. That's why this is so unbelievably important. But nor should we buy into the belief that there are just some people out there who go and minister. We all have different roles and responsibilities. I have not been called to go into colleges and into high schools and minister to kids who would never step foot in a church. But thank goodness God has called Egypt to do that. I have not been called to go over to someone care soup kitchen and to love on the homeless on a regular basis. But thank goodness God has called Betty and others to do that. I've not been called to go over to the senior center and hang out there. But there are some of you here who God may have called to do that. And that is the place he wants you to invest yourself. Each and every one of us is an ambassador. Each and every one of us has a part to play. And the moment that we buy into Satan's lie, that your voice doesn't matter, or that you have fallen too far, or that you don't know your instrument well enough, is the moment that he is one. Because you've removed yourself from the conversation. You've removed yourself from this band that is made up of many members. If any one of these students had gotten up and walked out because they go, man, I am just not feeling it and I am not on, it would have stolen from the entire ensemble. 
which is why we look out for one another, right? We have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone whom he may devour. And he goes after the ones that have been isolated, the ones that have pulled themselves out of community, that are trying to do it by themselves. And so it's imperative for us as followers of God, recognizing that we have an enemy who steals, kills, and tries to destroy our hope tries to destroy our identity as sons and daughters of God. It is imperative that we draw together and do life together. That is one of the reasons why I'm so unbelievably excited about the 19 couples that have been married 30, 40, some some of them 50 plus years who have just been trained in marriage mentoring. Because all of a sudden, some of us who are new in marriage or, or even have, you know, I've got over a decade of experience in marriage and I'm going, I need to learn. I need people to lean on. And so I've got Byron and Diane that I can lean in on and go, there are times I just show up at their house and go, I just need to process life with you. Because they're safe. They're not perfect. Thankfully, they're open with their flaws. And oftentimes in our small group that meets in their home, they're like, you guys are so much further along than we were at this point. And it is so encouraging to us, even though we're like ready to tear one another's jugular out. Because we're like... Okay, look at them. There's hope for us. We can too can get through this. It's exhausting, so it's so wonderful to be able to lean on other people and go, I am not alone in this because the, the lie of the enemy is that you are alone. And if anybody knew the real you, they'd want nothing to do with you. The lie of the enemy is that you don't belong in this. You don't have a part in the band. You need to sit in the stands and just watch and clap. The whole point, I guess, I want to say this morning is that God loves you more than you could ever possibly fathom. And he has a part for you to play. And we as a church have a responsibility, and that is to equip you. Look at Ephesians chapter, you don't have to go there right now, but later on, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and following, talks about the purpose of the church, meaning those of us who are on staff. It is to equip you to do the work that God has called you to do so that we will all be built together into unity. But you have a part to play. And my prayer is that as we abide in Jesus Christ, our true vine, we find our nourishment, we find our identity, we we, we rest in His love, then we will be able to be those branches that bear fruit in our particular spheres of influence in our schools that we attend, with our family members, your children, your grandchildren, as we invest into them, as we love our spouse, not perfectly, but as we rest in God's perfect love for us, then we can begin to pour that out into other people's lives. And I'm already over time, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. But I thank you, God. Let Let me go ahead and close your eyes. I thank you, God, so much that you love us, you know us, You know us intimately. And I pray that you would use us. Help yourself to our lives. Here we are. We're imperfect vessels, but yet you pour your perfect love into us and fill us up. And it's not just for us to be filled, but so that we can then become conduits of your love into our neighborhoods, into our schools, into our workplaces into the places that we frequent. May your light shine brightly in and out of us. 
My prayer, Holy Spirit, is that you would use this church, and by this church I simply mean the people that call you Lord and Savior that are doing life together. May you use your church universally up in Salinas in Northern California, here in Costa Mesa, Huntington Beach, across this country and across this world. God, we recognize that this world is spinning rapidly out of control. And there are many, many people who have become disenchanted with a God that they can't see, a God they can't quantify, a God they cannot control. And more and more of us are are beginning to view ourselves from an individualistic standpoint and separating relationship. Trying to do it by our own strength for our own namesake. And we simply want to be some who are the first to say, we need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour, every moment, we need you. So God, would you draw near to us? Would you shine your purifying light into our lives? And if there is anything that is contrary to you, anything that's getting in the way of our intimacy with you or with one another, Holy Spirit, would you gently but firmly deal with that in us so that we can be branches of your vine that bear fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and even self-control. I need a lot of that. So we give you our lives. Help yourself to us. And I thank you so much that you have not called us to do life by ourselves. I thank you so much for this beautiful picture of unity that as all of us work off of the same spirit-led script. But we all bring our gifts and our talents to bear to make beautiful music. But apart from you, we are one hot mess. Jesus, in your name, amen. All right. Thank you guys for being here.